Welcome to the King's Cast, dynamic teaching recorded live at King's Church in Cambridge, England. We hope you are blessed and challenged by listening to the ministry today. And now, here's the broadcast. Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, it's just an honor, as always, to, to, to be able to, to bring the word of God. And I want to um, honor Pastor Phil, who's listening online. So God bless you. We miss you. We love you. We honor you. Thank you for the opportunity to speak. And we look forward to having you back soon. And um, I thank for my wife as well. If it wasn't for her prayers, I wouldn't be standing here today. And God's mercy. So praise God for that. Hallelujah. Whew. I just want to also, the, the, the song choices this morning, how they're lining up with the word of God this morning, about the rock of Jesus. The word of God is the rock that we stand on. Our faith stands on the rock, the Bible. And just want to start with Isaiah 66 two. Isaiah 66.2 Has not my hand made all these things? And so they came into being, declares the Lord. And I love this. This is the one I esteem. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We believe that God speaks through his word. How many of us have a reverence and an awe for his word? Or is it just collecting dust on the shelf? How, how many of us have that reverence when we open that Bible in the morning? Psalm 119, 18 says, um, God, open my eyes to see the wonderful works in your law. And trembles. God now broke through the ceiling and spoke. I would tremble very much. <laughs> I would be shaken to the ground. But the, the Bible is God breathed. The word of God who trembles at his word. And what it means for us. Now recently, a gentleman, many of us know Pastor Ralph, who passed away uh, six, seven, eight weeks ago. I forgot how long it was now. But he used to sit there on the corner every Sunday. Always encouraging as these last five years or so. And he was such an encourager, wasn't he, to us? And the, the Sunday before he died, he was here all day. Two services, he had his lunch with us. Six days before he, he moved on to dance with the Lord. And he took his tie off at lunchtime. That Sunday before. And he handed it to me. And he goes, I won't be needing this where I'm going. You have it. You have it. So, and after the news we received after he passed on, I kept looking at this tie. And, and I was thinking maybe in the Old Testament, Elijah passed his coat on Dinny to Elisha. I was thinking maybe he's got some anointing, some power. Or what it could be passed on, you know. But I kept seeing it as a, a baton, a, a challenge. And I could see the fire in his eyes still looking at me saying, go for it. 
It's a challenge. What are you going to do? Because I don't want to get to the end of my race, my life, taking my tie off, so to speak, and handing it over and, and saying, if only, if only. Not, not the things like that are on the bottom of your bucket list, you know, paragliding, jumping out of a para- an airplane with a parachute, or without a parachute, whatever which one, or bungee jumping, not those things, places to visit, which are all good things. We've got lists. Not those if-onlys, but the if-only that you stand before the Lord and you say, if only I just did that for you. If only I did a bit more for you. If only I answered the call. God has got a purpose for every one of us. Wherever it may be, you're growing every day. You live one day at a time for Jesus. He's got a purpose every single day of your life. But don't come to the end of it and say, if only I had if only. You know, Pastor Ralph used to speak this verse over to us in, in Haggai chapter 2, verse 6 to 9. Haggai chapter 2, verse 6. This is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. Number 7. I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. Verse 8. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord Almighty. And this is the verse that Pastor Ralph would come to. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house. Says the Lord Almighty. And in this place I will grant peace, declares the Lord. Pastor Ralph used to say this over this house, this church, because this is the church that he bought. And in these last five years he started to see the move of God and God doing wonderful things and the, and the new floor being put in. Miracles, release, the glory of God being released. And he used to sit there loving it. Wow. He used to pray this over this church. But there is greater to come. There's greater to come. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss this. I don't want to miss all that God's got for us in this church, in our lives. God here is talking about the second temple, the, the temple of Zerubbabel being greater than Solomon's temple. But we're now the temple of God. We're now the temple of the Holy Spirit. And this church represents Christ. The glory of God in this building. They couldn't enter the temple at Solomon because of the glory of God. His glory was so great. So I want to be a person that God wants. One who is... God esteems those who tremble at the word of God, who take it seriously. You know, Jesus spoke to the woman at the well in in John 4, 23, saying there will be a day that the Father seeks and has now come when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipper the Father seeks. Now, I want to be one of those people. So today I'm going to talk about building our faith again on the Bible, the Word of God. 
the fundamental miracle of the work of God. One of the greatest works of the Holy Spirit. Different cultures, different times, different authors, but somehow the Spirit of God has weaved it all together. I want to be one of these people who worship the Father in the Spirit of God. Born again of the Spirit, because Jesus says only those born again will see heaven. I want to be that person. And in truth, the truth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he came and died for you and for me. That's the truth. I see you excited about that this morning. So I'm going to flick through the Bible in different places. Because the Bible contains the fundamental truths for our faith. It's in the detail. It's in the detail. Factual, historical, spirit-given. It's in the detail. And I'm going to say that a lot this morning. It's in the detail. So I'm going to be flicking through. Isaiah 57.15. This is who God is looking for. Through the prophet Isaiah. I love this. 15. For this is what the high and lofty one says, God. He who lives forever, whose name is Holy. I live in a high and holy place. But this is the amazing. Grab hold of this. God lives in a high and holy place, but also with him who is contrite and lowly in spirit. To revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. This is Jesus he came, didn't he, to revive us, to come and get the brokenhearted, to rescue us. Those who recognize their need for a savior. I so needed a savior. I so needed a savior. I was so lost. It's when I worship, I just realize what he's done. I realize what he's done. I will worship him in spirit and in truth. We need to grab these verses. Sometimes we just need to spend days or weeks in, in, in certain verses just to get that in us. Wow. Humble in spirit. Lowly, contrite, in heart. King David had these hearts. We need the same hearts. It's all in the detail, you see. It's in the detail. The word of God. A double-edged sword. How many people have gone to a hotel room to take their life, but yet they found a Gideon's Bible, and before they consider stealing it, they read it. And then God speaks them through it. Happens a lot. The Word of God has power. It is like a hammer that smashes rocks. The Word and the Spirit of God. And not one word is wasted in the Bible. No, no, no. Not even Leviticus. Not even those old books. Not one word is wasted in the Bible. Some people say, I'm struggling to sleep at night. Well, I said, look, take the Bible to bed. Read Leviticus. <laughs> Something will go in. <laughs> but it's true. Just, just read it. And, and make an effort to read it and then 
before you know it, you might be asleep, but at least you've fallen asleep in the father's arms. What father would want his child falling asleep in his arms? Don't let, listen to the lies of the enemy. Oh, I can't fall asleep reading the Bible. <laughs> You're in his arms. The father delights when my children fell asleep in my arms. It's such a, pr- a, a wonderful gift, isn't it? And when Lee shared about his son, Lee, you're so young, mate, honestly. You look even younger. <laughs> wow. Praise God. It's the grace of God. But it's a pleasure, isn't it? There's not one word wasted. And I want to show a scripture from 1 Kings 5. Please bear with me when we read this. <laughs> I'm going to prove a point. This is King Solomon. He's now being tasked with building the big temple of God. Okay, King David has handed it down to King Solomon. Okay, King Solomon is the one that's going to build the temple of God. And this is King Solomon. King Solomon conscripted laborers from all Israel. 30,000 men. It's all in the detail, you see. He sent them off to Lebanon in shifts of 10,000 a month so that they spent one month in Lebanon and two months at home. Now, who wants a boss like that? That's a good boss, isn't it? One month working and two months at home with your family. Come on. Adoniram was in charge of the forced labor. Solomon had 70,000 carriers and 80,000 stone cutters in the hills. Remember, this is now building the foundations of the temple. A lot of men. As well as 3,300 foremen who supervised the project and directed the workmen. At the king's command... They removed from the quarry large blocks of quality stone to provide a foundation of dressed stone for the temple. And just going to chapter 7, verse 10. Let's move on to chapter 7. The foundations were laid with large stones of good quality, some measuring 10 cubits and some 8. Cubit is about 500 millimeters so some of the stones were like five to six meters long. What does this have to do with me? I can hear people calling. I'm going to work tomorrow. What has it got to do with me? Well, those who work in stone masonry, hands up who work in stone masonry, that's me. This verse is like a busman's holiday for me. All this stone and things. Now we were blessed to go to Israel last year. And I urge anyone who gets the opportunity to go on a Bible tour of Israel, grab it. And those who heard of the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall, where they're now excavating adjacent and further along underneath all the different streets, further excavations are revealing large stones of foundation upon foundation leading up to the temple. And we saw stones this big. They're still there. The stones are still there. Look at the sweat and tears and the men and the labor it took to get those stones. And they are still there. It takes effort to lay foundations. It takes tears and time to lay foundations. Solomon's temple, it's not there. The second temple, it's not there. King Herod's temple is not there. But the foundations are still there. The foundations are still there. We read in Haggai that the glory of the former, the present house will be greater than the former. 
That's in reference to Zerubbabel's temple, the second temple in Solomon's temple. Because if you want the glory of God, if you want the presence of God to manifest in your temple, in your church, your home, you've got to build strong foundations. Solomon's temple was built on big foundations, big stones that took time and effort to lay. Then when the glory of God came, it was on strong foundations. And the foundation was the word of God. Not one word is wasted in the Bible. So when you read these verses, think, what does it mean today for me? The detail says build on strong foundations. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. Jesus spoke about the wise and foolish builders in Matthew 7. 24 and 27. Therefore, everyone who hears these words. Okay, the word again. Jesus referring to the word. He's been teaching. He's been teaching about the way into heaven. The narrow and the wide road to heaven. The narrow way to heaven. And the wide road to destruction. And following that sermon and these talks, Jesus says, therefore, everyone hears these words, the word, and puts them into practice as like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So blessed by the song choices this morning. About again, the, you know, on the cornerstone, on this rock I stand, on this solid rock I stand. Next verse, 25. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall. Because it had its foundation on the rock. On the rock. But everyone who hears these words and does not put them into practice like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell with a great crash. Jesus is urging, build your home on the rock. Build your home on him. He didn't say that the, the wise man did not have any storms. The wise man faced the same storms as the foolish man. You're still going to get your, if, if your house has been subjected to a hurricane, if your house has been subjected to a tsunami, it's going to receive a battering, isn't it? But if you've got the foundation strong, if your foundation is strong, you can take this, you can take this, but you're not going to take away my faith. The devil's after your faith. The story of Job in the Old Testament. The devil tested him. I'm going to take this. I'm going to take this. Curse God now. Curse God. But no, the foundation was strong. What are we building our security on? What are we building our security on? What is your faith built on? What are we building our security on? Our material wealth? Our jobs? Money? You know, people are, are going to the gymnasium a lot now and getting fit. People are building their security on their health. You know, people are, there's an obsession that diet and health. And now, that's good. God says, look after what you've been given. And our bodies is probably the most important thing, actually, to do God's work on this earth. We need to look after our body. I go to the gym a few times a week. Can you tell? I'm working out. I'm trying to keep hold of this body as long as I can. I'm putting the hours in. But what does God say about physical exercise? 
You know, people are walking around with little wrist things on their hand, how many steps they've done. I don't want to embarrass you. How many people have got those on their wrists? How many miles you've walked this week? Come on. How many steps? I've burnt 10 calories today. Oh, you know, I've walked 10 miles today. We've all got them. It's good. What does God say? What is the, the detail of God's words? It's in the detail. 1 Timothy 4.8. 1 Timothy 4.8. For physical training is of, what does it say? Of some. Some. Not much em- Look at the emphasis on some. But godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. It's in the detail. Physical exercise, some use. If it's only some use, what exercise are we putting in place to get the godly things? Who's going to the spiritual gymnasium of the secret place? Let's replace these mile steps with a a wristwatch that says how many minutes you're spending the time of God. Lord, on that day when you go, but you won't say, Lord, but I did 10 miles today. Your body will fail. Your body will fail. But what Paul is writing to Timothy here is that the spiritual training, the prayer time we spend, the hours and the sweat we spend building our life upon the rock of God, it's not just for this life. It's for the one to come. It's for the one to come. These bodies will fail. But do not be disheartened. 2 Corinthians 4, Paul continues to write, verse 16. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Therefore do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away. This is a cheerful moment, isn't it? Yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our lighter momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory. That far outweighs them all. These temples will fail. Our bodies will one day go. But like Pastor Ralph, he had that fire in his eyes that day. He took his tie off and says, I won't need this where I'm going. Because he had eternity in his heart, you see. The body was failing, had six days to go. He left the challenge to us. But he knew that he was going what was unseen. He was building his life ready for the next. Are we building our lives ready for the next? Are we going to spend more time in the secret place that Jesus says, the Father sees what you do in secret, which is in the secret place. Close the door. Pray to the Father. That's your spiritual gymnasium. Get yourself a membership for that. It's free, by the way. People talk about gym rates. That's a free gym pass. For your heart. It's your heart. You know, when I go to the gym, I see these, you know, bigger guys than me. And you see him walking past the mirror. And I just want to go to them and say, what about your spiritual hearts, man? Can you see that? What's your heart doing? You know, I use the gym sometimes. I'm doing my cross trainer, you know. I got my earphones. I'm listening to worship and stuff, you know, and preaching. And at the end of that one half hour on there, I was lost in worship. I was burning a few hundred calories and worshipping. And I came off to get some water. And a guy said to me, I was going to distract you, but you look so lost. You look so lost. 
I said, uh, yeah, man, I was, just, I was just praising God. I said, what do you listen to? Because Radio 2. I said, well, it could be worse. It could be Radio 1. But there are other worse radio stations if, uh, as we want them. And he goes, really? So it opened the door because he just lost his father. And I shared him with God's love. I said, I was lost in worship, just worshiping God. You know, just to, this time is physical for me, but also spiritual for me as well. If you can combine the two, it's a wonderful thing. So look after your bodies. Don't be obsessed. Be obsessed with God's word because we've just preached it so much. The foundation for your life is the word of God and the spirit of God. You know, we're a church that love to move in the Holy Spirit. I love seeing what God does by the power of his spirit, the way he talks to people, the way he would just have a word for someone and just speak. I love it. But we cannot neglect the word of God for that. We want to be a church of the spirit and the word. Because together the spirit and the word is power. God says it's power. You know, there's a story in 2 Samuel where King David... He's coming back to Jerusalem and he wants to bring the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark is the special carrying case of God's presence that in the tabernacles and the tents in the deserts. He wants to bring this special place, this special uh, carrying case back into Jerusalem. And in, in 2 Samuel 6, he's describing how it was placed on a cart. And as they were bringing it in, King David started to really dance with all his might. He's exuberant. They had the worship team. There was people dancing and singing. But then something happened. Verse 6, when they came, this is now the whole procession with David dancing, the bringing the ark to the threshing floor of Nacon. Uzzah reached out and took hold of the ark of God because the oxen stumbled. Verse 7, the Lord's anger burned against Uzzah because of his irreverent act. Therefore, God struck him down and he died there beside the ark of God. Wow. There's such exuberance and joy. But what had King David done? King David had neglected the word of God that was given through Moses. You cannot have the joy and exuberance and the spirit without the word of God. He ignored the word of God. If you ignore the word of God, it brings disaster, brings death. And God is a holy God. Remember, we started with those who tremble at my word. King David forgot and didn't tremble at that point. But he didn't tremble at the word of God. And disaster struck. So we need to hold the word of God in high reverence. Otherwise, we could be struck. We can have the joy of the Spirit. But it's got to come out of a place of obedience to the word of God. Then it will be blessed and anointed. Nothing's wasted. So King David recognized that. And in 1 Chronicles 15, which is the story continuing in verse 13. King David went to the word of God that was spoken to Moses. And he says, it was because you, the Levites, the clan Levites, 
did not bring it up the first time that the Lord our God broke out in anger against us. We did not inquire of him about how to do it in the prescribed way. So the priests and Levites consecrated themselves in order to bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel. And the Levites carried the ark of God with the poles on their shoulders as Moses had commanded in accordance with the word of the Lord. It was carried differently, wasn't it? It wasn't just put on a cart, a couple of cows, carrying it off. God prescribed, you carry this ark on the poles, certain length, in this certain way, honor me. We need to consult the word of God for every decision in our lives. It's because we don't consult the word of God that things are falling apart. Society doesn't live by God's laws. Marriage is one man, one woman. One man, one woman. With the intimacy of sex in the safety of a marriage. In secret, in purity, in love. We've all fallen astray. The image of just a virgin bride walking down the aisle. To come to the groom who's receiving this virgin bride as a gift of God and waiting to the honeymoon to enjoy. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. If, if it's done before the marriage, where's the honey? There's no honeymoon, is there? God's ways are best. If we had continue to keep God's laws and did his way, there'd be no, no there would be no breakdown, there'd be no adultery, there'd be no sex trafficking, there'd be no abortion, there'd be none of that. But God's laws, you see, we need to keep focus on the law of God. Now the world will do its thing. The world will unravel at its unraveling. But as believers, who have been saved by the blood of Jesus, we need to concentrate and focus on the law of God for our lives, for our families, for our communities, for our society. We've got to be the hope. We've got to be the light of the world. As it's unraveling before our eyes, we've got to keep our standards. God wants to expect us to keep the laws. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's so faithful. You know, when you anchor into the word of God and God anoints that worship, when that, they were carrying this the second time because it was done in accordance with the obedience of God, the Holy Spirit flowed and their worship became authentic. It became real and it was from the heart. That's why I dance for Jesus because I realize what he's done for me. So King David, he... He was in exuberant, mighty dancing, it says. He danced with all his might. It releases you to worship. Releases you to worship. But be on your guard. The story of this concludes 
where King David, we won't read it all, but he concludes where King David was dancing with all his might. And from the window was Michal, the daughter of Saul, his first wife, King David's first wife. And she despised King David with all her heart, it says. Why? She was jealous of his dancing for the Lord. She was jealous. And as they spoke, as he came to her and spoke, she goes, who do you think you are? You're the king, disrobing yourselves in front of these people. King David says, I dance for the Lord. Not for people. I dance for the Lord. So if you feel the freedom to dance for the Lord, you're going to get critics. What are you doing? Bit over the top, aren't you? You're going to get people criticizing. What are you doing? Michal, she was saved. Is it true today that other churches, other denominations could be critical of other churches' worship of the Lord? The way they celebrate and enjoy the presence of God. Is it possible that other people today could be critical of another person's freedom to worship and dance for the Lord? Is it possible today... Is it possible today that somebody in the same congregation in this meeting right now could be critical of another person's way they dance and celebrate for the Lord? If anyone's critical of my dancing for the Lord, I've got one message. You ain't seen nothing yet. You ain't seen nothing yet. Because it's for Jesus I dance. Not for you. But you can join the party if you want. And the story ending in 2 Samuel 6, verse 23. If you can call that up. 2 Samuel 6. With Michal, after their exchange with King David, the Bible talks that she remained barren. She remained barren. Had no children to the day of her death. That means she was fruitless. She did not bear fruit. It's in the detail, you see. She remained, had no children. She remained barren. She remained fruitless. So if you're a critic of someone else, I ask you, are you bearing fruit? If you're a critic of someone else's joy for the Lord, are you remaining barren? I'm telling you, when I get the joy of the Lord, I know that I can take that into my work. I can take that and people will see there's something different about you. It's the joy of the Lord that people see. It's the light of the world. It's the light of, the, of God's word that people want to see. When we talk about not conforming to the world's standards and we're being a beacon of light for Jesus, it's that joy that we need. Do not let the critics stop you. Do not let those critics stop you saying you're over the top. You're a bit crazy, aren't you? You don't need to dance. Be a hand in pockets kind of worshipper. I can't bear fruit with my hands in my pockets. There's something about it. something about release. It's in the detail. The Psalms are full of it. Raise your hands. Clap your hands. Play the instruments. Dance. Dance. Worship me. And when it's authentic, anchored in the word of God, it's real. It's anointed. What, Steve Dart was, he wasn't anointing dance? Does it matter? It's from the heart. Oh, when I got that message, when I got that revelation, we was in Colombia. We was in Colombia, and I was a Mikhail. I was there with my English friend in this church service in Colombia. 
And they started doing this song, la, 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 la. And all the congregation started picking up all the chairs. And all these Colombians started moving all the chairs. And my English friend and I, we were holding on to our chairs. <laughs> we were holding on to them. No, this is my worship. This is my worship. And I was looking over thinking, what are they doing? Lily, she was crazy. She's dancing to the Lord. I said, what are you doing? It's a bit over the top, isn't it? This is six, seven years ago. It's a bit over the top, isn't it? Can we just worship here? I'm happy here. And one of the sisters-in-law, she tried to grab my arm. She goes, dance out, Senor. Dance out, Senor. Dance to the Lord. And I was going, no, I'm happy here. We're having this tussle. And she pushed me over. And I ended up in the middle of all this. I ended up in the middle of all this. And I was thinking, on oh, my days. And embarrassing. It's embarrassing. And I started to dance like a robot. <laughs> I was like a robot. Yes, I'm feeling the joy. Not. I was feeling the joy, not. But then the power of God, something happened. Because the Spirit of God threw me on my knees on this dusty floor. And I was just sobbing. I was sobbing. I was sobbing. The wave of wave after love of love poured through me. And I was sobbing. And I just heard God's voice. Will you dance for me? Do you know what I've done for you? Will you dance for me? I just sobbed. But if something happened, you see, it releases you. Wow. And I looked up and I thought, wow. He really did it for me. He really did it for me. Wow. Because if, if I was over there being a critic, I couldn't bear fruit. I was being a critical of their joy. Why should I criticize their joy, the Colombians? I'm not going to be an Englishman saying I'm more sophisticated than these Colombians. Lily, you've got an English passport. You should be more sophisticated. There's no such thing in God's kingdom. In heaven, I will not be standing behind a chair looking at the others. I'm in the party. So when I got off that floor, I kicked off my sandals and I led the worship. I led the revival that day. And people were saying, wow, they were copying me. It sets you free. The worship of God, it sets you free. It's in the detail. So do not let people say you're over the top. When you're on fire for God, there's a fire extinguisher about ready to put you out. Kick the fire extinguisher and say, come and join the party. Wow. If I could have the worship team, please, that'd be great. Thank you. The earth cries out all of God's detail. The Bible is the detail of God, and it says he created everything. The beauty and the majesty of everything he created is all around us. It's all around us. He made you in your mother's womb. You are beautiful. He's got a plan for you. It's so much detail. We went to the garden center last week, great afternoon out. We went to the aquarium. And I'm just amazed by all the species of fish. 
I've never really appreciated it before, but there's thousands of different species, the colors, the sizes, the detail, the detail in a fish, the colors. There's, you know, don't think of a trout or something. Think of all the colors. Amazing. I was like, wow, beautiful. God is abundant in his detail. Now, I don't think the cactus is an elegant plant, but we went to the cactus room, and there was thousands of cactus, different species. I think, wow, a cacti can look so different. And I was looking at the detail again. God is a God of detail. He's a God of detail. If a fish is beautiful, how much more beautiful are you? How much more beautiful are you? I want to share one last detail in the Bible. That is beyond words. In Isaiah 52, verse 13. See, my servant will act wisely. Jesus. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. Just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man. And his form marred beyond human likeness. Let's keep it there. Look at the detail. This is God's love for us. It's in the detail. Can you imagine the conversation in heaven? When this was being breathed and, br- and penned. Will you go? Will you go, son? To be this? Will you go? The detail. So when you read that, you can understand. The night Jesus was arrested in the garden. Because the detail that was penned from heaven. Was about to come into play. That's why he knelt and cried and sweat like blood. The Bible says that he was in agony. He felt sorrowful. He felt torn. He was human. He was human. And the detail of the word of God says, even an angel from heaven came down to strengthen him. Because Jesus now knew what was in the detail of the Bible. This detail was coming to pass. And he continued. He endured it for us. It's in the detail. Don't let anyone stop you rejoicing for him. Because you know the detail. He's worthy. And in the detail, the word of God says one day he will be crowned. And so worthy will he be. There's only one who's worthy. His name is Jesus. Just keep that there for a moment. Just read it. It's in the detail. Jesus. Jesus says to his father that night on the garden, Take this cup from me if it's your will. Take this cup from me. I can't do it. I can't. 
I need you. I can't. But your will be done, God. Father, your will be done. And he did it. He did it for you and for me. Jesus. Let's just bow our heads. Thank you for listening, and we trust that the Word of God has inspired you today. For further information about King's Church, or to access our large archive of other recordings, go to www.kingscambridge.org. If you're listening on iTunes, we would love you to leave us some feedback. God bless, and goodbye.